What's up, everybody? This is Gio. And this is Bug, and you're listening to Geek vs. Geek episode... 28. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, yeah, you're right. I double-checked today, so... Good for you! Good for you! Episode 28. We're almost at big number 30, homie. Yes, and nobody listens to this shit, so we can do whatever the hell we want. Eh, True, but we're on a new platform. Should we... Couple new platforms. Okay. Yes, you were telling me about this the other day, but I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are now on Amazon Music and Audible. Audible, of course, is a huge platform, and we're on Podbean, I think. Uh, yeah. I I've never used Podbean, but we're there. If you're, if that's your thing. But um, the big milestone is we are now on Amazon Music and Audible platforms. So if you uh, get your podcasting through those, uh, if you get if you get your podcast through those uh, platforms, that's one more way you can uh, get to us. If if none of the others are your bag, mm-hmm. um, so um. Having said that, a little housekeeping here. I meant to talk to you about it earlier, but things. Um, I'm going to do some pre-recorded promos for like email donations and like um, different platforms and stuff. Uh, so we don't have to keep repeating ourselves. Um, but I do like having that conversation at the end of the show because it reminds people that, hey, we're human. We're doing this on a very shoestring budget. And uh, yeah, there there are places that do that a lot, a lot fancier than we do. We're doing this with two laptops and a, or one big computer, one laptop and two microphones. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing most of um, I'm doing. Um, better in production now that I have, you know, I have, I have the high end software that I'm used to using. Um, I love Logic, but I'm just not used to using it. And, and its editing feature leaves a lot to be desired. Recording, like, if, you know, like if I'm doing music and stuff, superb, no complaints. Um, GarageBand too. GarageBand. I don't know why people harp on GarageBand. It is very, it is very useful way to quickly record something, and um, it's fairly powerful. Um, you know, Logic takes GarageBand and makes it even more powerful. And I don't know why more more people don't use um, Logic. You're already on Apple nine times out of ten if you're recording any anyway. And uh, the fact that people just poo-poo on it, it's just, like, I've looked at Pro Tools, and I don't feel like going back to college just to learn how to use a piece of software. Well, it's um, like it's like anything. Nobody knew how to use anything at one point until, you know, somebody sat down and they played with it or somebody taught them how to use it, so. Um, yeah, there's that. Boy. It's just it's just a lot of stuff that just seems to be like like with with Pro Tools for example. Yeah. Um, now I haven't used it personally, but I've watched like tutorials and stuff. 
Um, it just seems like there's just too much going on there that most people will never use. Like, I'm never, ever going to use auto-tune, ever, <laughs> or, pitch, or pitch correction, ever. Yeah. That I, somebody, I, the guy that invented that, you know, I've seen a documentary or something. I think it was a documentary about, about it, and everybody just took it, and it was meant to be a joke. It wasn't meant to be, like, and people just took it and, and ran with it. In some cases, it's funny, but now it's in popular music, and it sounds like shit. And people think this sounds good. Oh, he's this. She's got a good voice. He's got a good voice. No, they don't. You can't. You can't get a natural feel for their voice because it sounds like it's coming out of a fucking can. Um. <sighs> well, I just have a problem with pitch correction. Period. Whether it's auto tune or or anything, I mean, a lot of folks talk about Eric Clapton being a guitar player, you know, an excellent guitar player. But there's a few people on point talking about how well he sings. Like when he's on stage singing live, uh, he doesn't use any any pitch correction or any anything, and he sings on key, on note. And a lot of people overlook that because they don't know how to listen for for things like that. And I've always known Eric Clapton is an excellent singer. Um, but his guitar playing has always overshadowed that talent because, I mean, he's Eric, he's Eric Clapton for crying out loud. So um, just like Eddie, Eddie, um, Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen had an excellent singing voice, but he never... He never felt like he was the sound of Van Halen. He he didn't want to, you know. Um, he always felt like that in the early days, the band had a very specific image and a very specific sound, and he wasn't a part of that, you, you know, other than his guitar playing. You know, he had a very specific vocal. He and Alex both had a very specific vocal in mind. Even though Eddie has always been very capable and um, just he let his guitar playing overshadow his uh, his ability to sing. But I thought it was interesting. That a lot of people are starting to notice that Eric Clapton, wow, that dude can really sing. He's not using any kind of correction at all on stage. And most people do. And um, I just thought it was... Uh, this guy on YouTube is a musician. He's got a very cliche name for his band. It's called Wings of Pegasus. And that's the name of his channel. He's a British dude. And he uses software to analyze vocals. Um, I don't know the name of it, but he, he'll analyze the vocals and he can tell if somebody's auto-tuned or not. And he's been disappointed. There's been some big names that perform live and he's like, Oh man, this is disappointing that they're, that they feel that they have to use pitch correction on stage. They don't have to do this, you know? And, uh, but Eric Clapton never does. I mean, it's his real voice. I think they do that because as you get older, you're, if you, especially if you use your voice a lot, mm. it probably suffers. Um, I was watching a, uh, a uh, video the other day of um, one of my favorite bands, Disturbed. And you can always tell when people, when guys have been on tour for a while. Yeah, man. 
because they're because they're vocal their vocals are not quite what they normally would be on a record or or that they've been where it could be one of those bands that don't sound like they do on the record because they use studio tricks to get the record and then well i also found i also found out that a lot of that if you ever listen to any disturbed records most people think it's david dreaming doing a lot of the you know the growling and, and stuff like that and he does but um the guitarist also does a lot of the a lot of that stuff so um I don't listen to bands that growl. Um, well, stop. I guess you call it uh, Cookie Monster vocals, sort of. And That's I know what they you call. Can, it. I know. I know you can do that with. I know they do that with. Uh, with something to make the, because if you did that all the time, your voice would just give out. Um. I just went. Opeth started doing that. I was like, "Really, Opeth? Really? Come on, man." <laughs> um, yeah. Um, some of the, some bands can pull that off, and it doesn't sound like like it's you know really bad or anything. But and there's a whole other layer called screamo. Um, I know. I actually I don't know him personally, but I know a family member I used to work with of a guy. Um, her daughter is engaged they're married now but he's a country music singer has a beautiful country voice mm-hmm. and um he started doing the screamo stuff to, to get signed um that's the only reason he started he changed his whole image and his whole act um to get signed because country music artists aren't looking in the south for country music anymore and uh so he mca signed him and he's doing screamo now and he hates it but he he got signed he figured he'd get a record contract and then um down the road he could do you know once he got the contract that he wanted he could do whatever he wanted but he just got his foot in the door and i'm thinking and, and me and my co-worker were talking and i'm like he knows he just signed his life away, right? He's got to do this shit for the rest of his life because he's, like, fa- he's building He's building a fan base. The contract is not going to let him out. It's his first contract, so it's going to be shit. And um, he just took the money. At least know. 10 years. Yep. And uh, she, she shrugged. She's like, he'll learn. I said, yeah, I guess he will. Uh, but he does the screamo stuff just Purely because you know he couldn't get it, he couldn't get a record contract singing country. Now, right now, I think he could. Um, I think country music's making a comeback, real country. Uh, well, you don't listen to country, so mainstream radio is dead anyway. So we're not talking about mainstream radio. But you don't listen to country music, so it'd be yeah. difficult for you to. Uh, have your finger on the I mean, pulse. I will, I will listen to like now if if like say Johnny Cash or somebody comes uh, on the radio, depending on the song, you know, I'm not gonna immediately change the channel. Um, I like a lot of the stuff he did with Rick Rubin in his later later years. Yeah, I don't, but um, that's fine. 
But uh, if I hear the song "Hurt" one more time, I'm gonna lose my shit. Well, Rust, uh, Rusty Cage is okay. Um, but uh, yeah. Well, that's a, I've never I've never heard Trent Reznor's version of that song either. So, um, what hurt? Yeah, well, that's his song. I know, but I've never heard his version of it. Well, you should. Um, just I, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of Nine Inch Nails either so you know just being fair yeah i mean but it's funny what you pick up i would never consider myself a ministry fan by any stretch of the imagination but i just happened to pick them up one day and started listening to it and i'm like wow <laughs> um okay okay well. and it's basically just one guy um, well, that's cool. That's cool. About like Nine Inch Nails or a lot of other bands. Um, or not a lot of other bands, but like Nine Inch, Nine Inch Nails. It's in the same vein as Nine Inch Nails. And it's, it's one guy that's been around since the early 80s. He started out doing um, um, kind of the, the synth pop stuff and then kind of gradually evolved into this whole other thing when he discovered metal. It's his name's Al Jorgensen. Um and uh his his stuff is very intense, very uh you know, just just got a lot going on, but there's a, a lot of elements of progressive stuff with you which you and I like um a lot. Yeah. So, but I've never heard anybody try to do like, like country, like they try to meld country and other other genres, and it just falls flat. Mm-hmm. Like somebody did country and and like I've heard people trying to do country and rap on mainstream, and it, it is like, well, this is, this is really bad. I have a, I ha- I do have a a guilty pleasure. Uh, Oh yeah, uh, I know. You uh, sent me some of these videos, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" I just think it's it's entertainment, man. I mean, that's well, fun. With, and they're fun. making they're making bank, so I can't really I can't really laugh at them too hard because uh, they are making the money with this stuff. So, and I'm talking about hip hop, you know, country rap um, or redneck rap, as a lot of people call it. And I'm okay with it. I mean, it doesn't hurt to laugh. Doesn't doesn't hurt to. I mean, and and it's there's people that go mud riding and and hunting and stuff. Why can't they have their genre rap too? I mean, they they can't relate to gangsters shooting each other and stuff. They they're rapping about their life and what they do. And I, I just think it, it's just I think it's cool. I mean, I, and you know, um, there's one, there's one dude called Mini Thin, and um, he's from West Virginia, and he does this song. It's really it brings me to tears every time I listen to it. It's called uh, the Coal Miner's Lullaby, you know, and it's from the perspective of the ghost of a coal miner who died in the mines, giving his family one last message you know, before he, he moves on, you know, and, uh, 
I don't laugh at that, but you know, uh, just because it's not gangster rap. I mean, you know, well, I don't, not uh, gangster rap really doesn't even exist anymore. In terms and they got the. Uh, I'd rather listen to that than mumble rap. I mean, you know what the what the hell is mumble rap? Why? I mean, come on, man. <coughs> what the hell? <laughs> I mean, I, I try to give everything a chance, but at the same, I mean, you had me listen to a Conway, Kanye West record, and I listened to the whole thing, you know, and, and I'm like, I love Kanye, man. It's, I mean, I get it. it, it I was dedicated. Uh, that was the Donda record, and that was dedicated to his mom. I mean, I thought it was, it was very it was, powerful. It was uh, very interesting. But it wasn't, I'm sitting there going, this is not the type of music I usually listen to, but okay, I'll give it a shot. And there were some very interesting pieces in there. I was just like, okay. I um, think I think society has Kanye pegged wrong. Well, most, um, people, most people have, like, they have, you have the image that they're, they're, you know, kind of forced to put out. I think Eminem falls in that category. <laughs> To a certain extent. I don't um, think Eminem is as deep as Kanye though. No, but I don't think he's as I think I think Eminem's just making his paper and he's living his life and you know, that's cool. He ain't yeah, really trying I, to change when, the world, man. When I discovered Eminem, it was like, okay, I kinda pegged him. It was like, okay, he's just like Marilyn Manson or anybody else. It's all it's all an image. It's all a gimmick. Yeah, it is a gimmick. So, and if he's honest with you, he'd tell you that. But you know, he he built up a persona, you know. But I mean, I'm nobody not, nobody I'm, nobody does stuff like he does. That's what gets me. In fact, I'm not going to judge Eminem for that because that all these gangster rappers have a persona, going all the way back. The only real and I wouldn't have known this unless I had had if I hadn't done a deep dive. But like when I was growing up, I first started listening to hip hop when the Chronic came out, and a lot of a lot of I'm just gonna say it, a lot of white kids in suburbia discovered hip hop through that album. That was, uh, and then we went backwards from there. We started listening to NWA and you know. Easy E solo stuff and and uh, for me it was Ice T. I've always been an Ice T fan, so I like I like what he did. He he was the first one to put hip hop and heavy metal together. I was like, okay, finally something I can listen to here, you know. And um, but the Chronic uh, that really that <laughs> that really got a lot of white kids' attention, and uh, hip hop hasn't looked back since. And uh, the, the chronic really gave me, uh, you know, from a lyrical standpoint, if you really, you know, I don't think a lot of people take it seriously, but I did because it opened my eyes to a different perspective that I, I, I wasn't a part of, you know, the other side of town, the other neighborhoods, you, you know, this is what they're dealing with in, in other cities, you know, it wasn't necessarily here. Because this isn't a really a big city, but um, I understood that perspective. I was like, "Oh, this is this is cool," 
I mean, you know, this is because the rock and roll and stuff I listened to, it always had a message too, you know. Yeah, um, there are documentaries floating around that I would love to collect. There used to be um, this one I used to hear about all the time when I was growing up called um, Hell's Bells, which was basically like how evil rock and roll is and how it's like um, satanic and all this kind of stuff. And uh, Well, you know, uh, I don't know if I talked about this on the show or not, but one of my all-time favorite bands, Black Sabbath, has been mislabeled satanic even to this day. And my point, and I read Tony Iommi's biography, so I know firsthand uh, what that band is about. And and uh, he's always wore a crucifix. Always, he's very religious, Tony Iommi. And if you listen to the music, it's Christian rock. You know, basically. It's just not, it's exploring the darker side of Christianity, you know, the temptation, you know, um, you know, it's not encouraging it. It's just, it's a perspective, you, you know, and there is a darker side to Christianity. I mean, if you believe in, and it's like, you know, I know people who worship the devil, okay? Like literally, and I think it's hilarious because I went so far as to reach out to the clergy about it, you know? And a good good friend and mentor of mine who who is a clergyman, who is a um, who is a priest, um, he started laughing. He goes, you know, the church doesn't take it seriously anymore, um, because if you believe in the devil, then you have to believe God exists and God wins. So um, I'm like, damn, I never really thought about that. He goes, yeah, it's very simple. If you if you worship the devil, you're a Christian. So you're already, you know, God already wins. So nah, yeah. I, I wasn't raised that way, but well, this came from a priest. I know. But so to so hear um, somebody say something like that, you're because the way I grew up, like you don't do this. This is bad. This is a sin. You don't. Well, that's con- that's control. Don't have, you know, don't that, have, see these, that, okay, don't have see, these thoughts or, you know, that's That's bad. control. That's not religion. That's control. Okay, the priest I talked to is a very good friend of mine, and he was a mentor to me. And there's a difference between religion and control. The church that, that you know, the church doesn't want to tell you how to live. Okay, really. The church doesn't. Now, there are some people in the church that do. And they use religion to control people. But if, if, and, and he's not, you know, he's not one of these people that is a, um, well, he's devout, obviously, because he's an ordained priest. But, I mean, he's collared and everything. So I take his word very seriously. And um, he spent years studying theology. He has read the Quran. He's read the Bible. He's read the Book of Mormon. And uh, so he's very well studied in all things, all religions, okay? And and he said God wins. He doesn't encourage you to do it. He's not, and if that's the interpretation, then it's not, it's not what he's saying. 
He's saying, don't worry about somebody's soul if they worship the devil. Because in the end, God wins the battle, and their soul will be okay. The devil loses. And um, so he's like, just be patient with these people. Let them have their fun, because it's not none of it's taken seriously by the church. Not anymore. Used to burn somebody who worshipped the devil, but now they're a little more relaxed. He's not Catholic, by the way. Um, I should should point that out. Catholicism is a little different, but he he is a collared priest. He he, in fact, he does a lot of work with the police department here in Tuscaloosa as it pertains to mental illness. So I mean, he he's the real deal, and you know him. So um, I'm not going to mention any names on the show, but uh. And I've talked to him for years because I I used to not be very spiritual. I wasn't quite atheist. I would say agnostic. It's like, look, I haven't seen any proof yet. And, uh, you know, when we would talk about it, you know, he would just, you know, he would just throw it out there in conversation. He wasn't being preachy about it or pushy. And he wrote his doctoral thesis on Andy Griffith. Oh, Okay. And you know, and you know, you know why? No, because every episode of Andy Griffith was a Bible story. Hmm. Never thought about it that way. Makes sense, but oh yeah, he showed me. He showed. He proved it. Every every episode is about, and Andy Griffith intended that. So he snuck theology into your living room without you even knowing it. So when he, when he he was on his way to becoming ordained, that's what he wrote his doctoral thesis on was the Andy cool. Griffith show. Cool. I mean, it's interesting because for years rock and roll has kind of been you know like oh it's the devil's music and then and and he and he's on that too. He's on that too. He's like you know he his music. I mean he listens to the same stuff I do. But um, he he's also a big fan of jazz, and he's like um, he's like the church doesn't take all this devil stuff seriously. You're not gonna go to hell if you dance. You're not gonna burn in hell if you listen to Black Sabbath or whatever. He's like, you know, as long it depends as depends on well, who you talk to, I guess. But you know. it is, and I and I take a priest's word over anything, especially <laughs> a priest I've known for twenty years. So yeah, I mean. I mean when I when I was growing up, I mean, I grew up with you know the the you know sitting in a little Baptist church with a preacher that's you know preached fire well, and hell see, and damnation yeah, like yeah, the other and, day. And the Baptists and the Baptists are keen to talk because you know they're the ones that believe party on Saturday, church on Sunday, you know, and uh, I, I, so I mean you know my. Uh, my priest friend, I, I, I need to make up a name for him, but I won't. Um, he's he's of the opinion that, you know, Christianity is Christianity. And the fact that there's all these different denominations is created by man. Man's disagreement. There's only one. There's only He's like, there's only one God. There's only one Jesus. So why is there 50 million different versions of Christianity? He goes, there's not. There's one version. <laughs> And um, and he said, just read your Bible, study it, 
and uh, he's like, if you ever have any questions interpreting anything, he goes, we could talk about it. He goes, you know, um, he goes, no one is a real expert on the Bible, but it's worth talking about, discussing, because we each get something different out of each Bible. Well, that's verse. part of what, that's part of, in my experience, it's part of what, it's part of the religious or part of the uh, your your walk with God, as they say, is you study His Word, and you know, of course, you're going to have questions. All I mean, when we were put on this earth, I mean, we didn't have the answers. Okay, God had to tell us the answers. What about the tree of knowledge, man? We weren't we we we. Well, we we you know, girl ate off the tree. Yeah, I mean, supposed to because there wasn't sin in the world until that happened. And we are all descended from them. Um, so. so didn't that. OK, see. Yeah. See, I never wanted to bring this. You know, <laughs> but Adam and Eve have kids, right? Right. So where does the other set come from? Um, because if they have kids, they're kids. Yeah, but that's incest. Cain and no, Cain and Abel. Okay, yeah, Cain and okay, so Cain and Abel didn't sleep with each other. No, but but where you, where do the people they slept with come from? No, 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 no. The basically no. basically okay that I that well as I understand it okay. Um, if you if you know the story of Cain and Abel, I do I do know the Cain. They, well, one of them well was je- one of them was jealous of the other, so he killed. Okay, his yeah, brother. that yeah, that's cool. But and where God, where did everybody else come from? That I'm not asking about if they got along or not. Where if if Adam and Eve are the descendants of all people, where did everybody else come from? That's the question. That's the $50 million question. Because you had Cain and Abel. That's their only kids, right? As far as I know. Even if they did have a boy and a girl, where did everybody else come from? You telling me the boy and the girl slept with each other? That's not cool. So well, they didn't also, sleep with each other. I mean, back in those days, back in those times, and. Uh huh. And if you remember, like any of your, uh, like the story of Abraham, at one point, you know, um, I remember like, Highway sixty one. Is well, okay. What? <laughs> Explain that one. You know, Abraham said, you know, I need some killing done, and he sent oh, the dude oh, now yeah. um, down to Highway sixty one. No, at one point in the in the Bible, <laughs> Abraham's wife is her name is Sarah. Well, Sarah couldn't have kids. Or they prayed, and she never, she never conceived a child. So, at one point, um, his daughters conceive a plan, um, or his some of his family or something conceive a plan to get him drunk, and he goes to bed with some of his kids. Right. Okay. And, so, and, and basically, um, it the, that child that child is born, and then eventually Sarah does conceive children at ninety something years old, and that's 
some would say that that's kind of where some of the some of the other things would come from, but I don't know that for a fact. I just know the stories that I've heard all my life. And, you know, so you you've not actually read these stories. Well, yeah, I've read them. Oh. But we, I've also we've also you know I've also been taught them in Sunday school. I've been you know taught talk you know go to Sunday school and church when I was growing up and you talk about these things. And that's, I think that's part of it is part of church is you talk about you know the Bible and the stories in the Bible and their meaning behind things and and how and most people try to take the Bible and kind of relate it to today. Um, depending on what you're talking about, but God, I think God meant for us as Christians to—that's how He meant for us to fellowship with each other. You get together and you you talk about His Word and you discuss His, you know, what His plan for for us as a people is, or what He meant by this story or that story, or something that happened or something that Jesus said or did. Um, at least that's how I've always interpreted it, you know. Throughout well, I, uh, I'm not really, I'm not really a church goer. Um, well, unfortunately nowadays yeah. I don't get to be either. So, but I do read my Bible. I have, I have my Bible and I keep it always within arm's reach. Um, where, when I'm at home, I'm not like some people carry it with me everywhere, but I thought about it. But um, I do keep it within arm's reach when I'm at home. And um, sometimes I try and turn this into a religious episode, but no, we just kind of we just kind of go with the flow. It's just kind of weird because you know I don't tell a lot of people this because it does sound freaking weird but sometimes i feel an urge to just to pick it up and hold it you know um not really read it but i do wind up flipping through it now when i was a teenager i read it from cover to cover um, when my brother died i was really angry at god and i was trying to find justification to hate god so i read the bible i was going to prove god wrong you know i was very angry that he took my brother and uh so i did read the whole bible at one point in my life it took four years but i did it i mean i didn't do it like every day but i read it like i read it in a way people say not to read it which doesn't make sense to me but you're not supposed to read it cover to cover man well how else are you supposed to read it not cover to cover man that's what I did. I read it from well, beginning. Well, I don't. To it end. doesn't matter how you do it as long as you do it in mind. And uh, well, well, the two things came out of it. Um, first of all, I couldn't prove God wrong. I didn't find the answer I was looking for. Um, I improved him right, but I didn't prove him wrong either. It's just I left with with, with my, you know my initial goal of proving God wrong. You know, God's wrong. He he shouldn't have took my brother. Um, I, I left that indifferent. It was like, well, you know, I don't believe God had anything to do with it. <laughs> um, that's, that's the ultimate conclusion that I came to. It's like, God, God wasn't in this. 
because it's neither here nor there in the Bible. I mean, it had nothing to do. I mean, yeah, God talks about death, this, that, and the other. And there's a lot of people who say, you know, God killed more people in the Bible than the devil did. Yeah, that, that's cool. Um, yeah, I get all that. But my experience of reading the Bible is I didn't find smoking gun that, you know, God's wrong. I couldn't, I couldn't find it. I didn't find that he was right. I just didn't find that he was wrong. So after I finished the Bible and over that four-year period of mourning, I just kind of realized that I was agnostic. I, I didn't know what to believe. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever. You, you know, I'm not going to pay any attention to it. If there's a God, there's a God. If there's not, there's not. You know, I'm, I'm not going to spend my life trying to figure this out, you, you know. But I always kept my Bible. You know, I always kept my Bible handy for some reason. I always just kept it. There's just something comforting about it. You know, I spent so much time that four-year period on and off reading that book. I just felt like, well, damn, it's part of me now. I mean, whether I'm religious or not, I don't think that has a lot to do with it. It's just, it was my brother's Bible, and he never mm-hmm. signed it. It was just his Bible. I signed it, so it became my Bible, you know, and where this, you know, this Bible belongs to, blah, 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 and you sign your name, you know. Um, and then I've just, I've just always had the habit of keeping it. You know, and I, and like I said, I went through most of my adult life feeling like I was agnostic. It's like God exists. That's cool. If not, you know, oh well. But here in the last ten years, five, ten years or so, weird things started happening. Like, um, again, I ain't trying to turn this into a religious show. <laughs> like but, I said, we just—I'm just going with um, flow. But I'm since I'm talking about it, and I don't really talk about it, but since I'm talking about it, I might as well just throw it out there. Um, I kind of had this weird feeling like, you know, uh, it, it started it started whenever um, um, I've had a few really bad experiences, like, I mean, scary experiences like i fainted at work one day and i realized you know that's when i realized that i had high blood pressure and that was kind of scary because i never it came out of nowhere i mean I'm, i've always you know i'm not terribly healthy now because i've been out of work for a while but i've always been very active i had to be because you know i had to ride a bicycle everywhere I've always been relatively healthy. I never felt like I was had anything major wrong with me. You know, and I've always, you know, um, I've always been fairly okay. You know, not perfect health, but nothing major. No diabetes, nothing. And then um, I just had this feeling at work one day and I got really, really dizzy. And my heart started pounding really hard. And I just fainted. And nobody was around. Thank God. They would have called the ambulance and shit, and it would have been a huge, big deal. But um, I just I went to the break room, took my 15-minute break, and recovered from it. And then when I got home, I made a doctor's appointment. And, um, you know, I found out I had a high blood pressure. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of scary, man. You, you know, that that could, like, kill you. You could fall over dead with that. I mean... You know, it's not a big medical problem, 
But I never had to take medicine before in my life, you know. And then after that, you know, when I was recovering in that break room, and, I, and I, to me that was a near-death experience. It may not be a big deal to a lot of people, but I've never been through anything like that before. Um, so I kind of realized that one of my problems was I didn't know how to pray. You know, the way I was taught to pray was wrong. <laughs> And um, every church I've been to does the, the open prayer, you know, let's pray together and all that good, good stuff. It doesn't seem, seems very generalized to me, you know. I didn't know how to pray on a personal level, you know, for myself, you know. And then, I, I like a light bulb went off. Once I learned how to pray for myself, you know, the proper way, the way I felt like God want, you know, the way I feel like God will listen to you, okay, uh, then things started changing. My attitude changed. Um, my luck was a little better, you know, and I just kind of, it's like, wow, okay, if prayer works, okay, then that means there has to be a God. So my agnosticism ended right there and my faith began because prayer doesn't work just throwing it out there into nothing that prayer has to land somewhere you know what i mean mm -hmm. and if it lands somewhere and then it gets thrown back at you in some way that means somebody something somebody heard that prayer and adjusted things and that has to be god because nothing doesn't nature doesn't care you go out in the middle of the woods in survival mode a bear will walk up <laughs> your dinner it does oh that's a human being he has a soul let me respect that you know no nature doesn't care other than nature is god's creation but so if there's nothing there and you pray and you notice a change then that, that, to me, that's proof that God exists. Um, it's all on a matter, and there's, there's a way that I pray, but the way that I pray isn't necessarily what you need to do to get heard by God. Everybody needs to find their own voice with God, and that's the problem. So I look at you and the way you pray, and then I start praying like that. It doesn't work well, you know, there's no God. You know, prayer doesn't work. You know, I I gotta find my own voice with God, and that's what happened. You know, so church, no, but I'm I'm deeply spiritual. Um, I think church can get in the way of your spirituality um, a lot of the time, and um, and the church has its own motivations. You know, the church is like a business; it has to stay running. It needs a certain amount of income and it becomes about money and books and and it's like no my i don't you know my i got a direct hotline with god once i figured this prayer thing out i'm good you know because all i need to do is figure out if i got a problem i need to figure out how to pray about it because each prayer is different pray about it and then wait for things to change if they don't change oh well if they do change, 
then okay, I'm on the right path, or I'm headed on the right path, or I'm I'm being guided to the right path, you know. Um, and and we can talk about it more, but it's just an experience I went through, and I really start to hear atheists talk about you know how religion is a fairy tale and it's just made up of and how the Bible's crap, and I start to really cringe. It's like, Ugh, some people, that's some not people good, don't. Man. Some people don't. You know, no matter what you tell them, they don't. You, they they can't see. Something has to happen to them in order for them to see. And I think, yeah. and I think that's what happens. Like when you know, um, I don't know how that's all going to turn out, but you know, like when the final judgment comes for all of us, you know, when we when we. When that tape recording of our life is played back, I think those people that don't believe, I think they're, I don't think they're going to go to hell. I think God's going to send them to a special class and to, to, you know, and, um, cause they're just not ready. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think they're trying to be evil. I just don't, I just don't think they're ready. You know, like I wasn't ready until I was ready. I never claimed to be atheist, but agnostic. I mean, you know, that's a hop, skip, and a jump, you know. But I really didn't know. I mean, you know, I I didn't know. And I wasn't going to claim to know something that I didn't know. But then eventually, my eyes were lifted, and I was shown the way. And, you know, and that Bible, you know, my Bible was my direct connection there. there. There's a spiritual connection to that Bible. And it's just a regular, you know, it's just a regular Bible. It's nothing special. It's just, you know, it's just, uh, I don't even know where my brother got it. He just, you know, he's always had it. And he was, he was, he, in fact, the weird thing about it was his attitude when he died was my attitude now. So, you know, I knew that he was okay spiritually because, you know, he had, he, this was his Bible. You know, he treated it like I do. He always had it within arm's reach. And we talk about it. I remember having conversations with him about how, you know, he was like, "Mm, you'll get it one day. He goes, you're still young. You know, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, You, you know. And he wouldn't be preachy about it or whatever. He just, well, you know, um, he goes, your faith can be very complicated. It's a lot to absorb, you know. And uh, I think he was still trying to find answers when he died, but he was very, very spiritual, I think. Um, I do believe, I do believe uh, that that was the one thing that... uh, (laughs) I can, I can, I I feel okay with because, you know, he was okay spiritually when he left this world, and uh, that's something that really worried my mom. And I said, Mom, you know, he had the Bible on his headboard when, you know, he he's cool. I mean, you know, as far as that goes, you know, he had his faith, so. That really, that really worried my mom. She was afraid he died, you know, without being saved. And I was like, no, he was good. And then uh, I just, I just kept his Bible because it was, um, 
Yeah, it was his. And I don't feel like I'm entitled to it, but I, I feel like, you know, um, it was his Bible, so it's just another way for me to stay, uh, for him, for me to keep him close to me. And uh, there's that whole deal, so. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, um, so you brought a story to my attention speaking of music. Oh, okay. We are, we are changing the subject. Okay, that's cool. Um that um the members of Journey basically Journey's falling apart. Um years <clears throat> in my humble opinion, but you could say that. Um and now Journey is like my all-time favorite band. Um, okay. You have your, you have Pink Floyd, and I have, I'm a big Journey fan. I've been since I was a teenager. Um, I mean, I remember calling radio stations and trying to get them to play "Who's Crying Now" when Who's I was like 12, 12 years old or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I have and, seen, and, yeah. Great band. I love Journey. Really good band. Yeah. Um, I like. Their new stuff is okay. I promised myself I wouldn't buy another record, but it's like, it's Journey. <laughs> Get it. Um, Man, that's, your, that's your band. I mean, you know. But, uh, yeah, um, you brought this story. It was a Rolling Stone article. Basically, Steve Perry is in a fight with Neil Sean and Jonathan Cain. Sounds like it, yeah. Um, and, well, there and, was. And Ross Valerie. Yeah, there was a well, there was the art. There was a thing back back a couple of like I guess I want to say a year or two ago. They kicked um, some of their original. They brought Steve Smith, who was out of the band, left the band in '95 yeah. when um, when Journey. Um, they did. They weren't around for like seven and a half years. They left in 1980. During the raise raise on radio tour or the nineteen like late the late eighties, um, they fired Steve Smith and John and Ross Valerie back then, and back to and were backed up by studio musicians. If you've ever seen the uh, the um, I'll be all right without you video, um, everybody knows Randy Jackson from American Idol. He yeah. played bass. Yeah, I thought you'd rather well in in that video, um, and he was um, involved in the mo- the most recent uh, their most recent stuff, and they didn't there and then they kind of called it quits for like seven and a half years, and then in '95 they got back together and did one record. Steve Perry went on to Hawaii to get in shape to go on tour and almost didn't get off the mountain. Um, he he uh, discovered wasn't a degenerative hip disorder? Degenerative hip disease, yeah. Yeah, okay. And he basically needed hip replacement and the band was like, okay, you need to do this so we can go on tour. And he's like, well, it's kind of a personal decision. Now, and they basically didn't tour for the trial by fire record. 
which is one of my favorite records, which is the last record they did with Steve Perry. Um, And then they've gone through a host of different singers. I saw them in 2003 when Steve O'Jerry was with them. Um, I saw them at the... um, Beau Rivage. Beau Rivage, yeah, Beau Rivage Casino and Hotel. They played for three and a half hours. Yes, sir. It was amazing. Um, oh, it was, it was excellent. Oh, if, if smartphones had existed back then, um, I would there would be pictures, there would be videos, there would be, I mean, you know. Um, but, well, I think they did, but I didn't have one, so. And then a couple of years ago, uh, they have a new singer, which they decided they found on YouTube, of all places. Um, And they're doing good. And all of a sudden, Ross Valerie and Steve Smith decide, hey, we need more, you know, bigger stake in, in, in Journey's future. So they wanted a bigger stake. They have a production company called Nightmare Inc. Well... They wanted a bigger stake in that. Uh, um, Jonathan Kane and Neil Sean didn't think that was a good idea. So not only did they kick them out of the band, they also sued them. <laughs> um, so they went through all that, and now there's this, this, this. You brought brought this to my attention. The Rolling Stone article about the trademark issue. Yeah. Um. Which I think is kind of hilarious because I've seen the video, the commercials that these, that these songs are being used for. Yeah. And uh, it's bad. It's really, really bad. It's an Applebee's Bones Wings commercial. <laughs> and, and it's just like, really? Applebee's. I mean... Chili's baby yeah. back ribs. Man, I, I remember those back in the day, man. Um, you, you and uh, our friend Robin, me, we all used to make fun of that shit. <laughs> Chili's baby back ribs. Got um, our attention though. Yeah, it does. Well, that's what that kind of stuff is kind of designed for. Yes, sir. But I don't. I don't see how. I don't see very many people doing that kind of stuff nowadays. No, they have to go. You know, which a lot of bands are selling their catalogs for the money. Um, yeah, Neil a lot Young. of bands have done that, like ZZ Top and Neil Young, Neil Young, um, Neil Joni Young, Mitchell. Joni Mitchell, um, The Offspring, uh, <laughs> yeah, RZA, uh, uh, Wu Tang. Um. Because they don't get, I mean, streaming really does hasn't done musicians any favors to a you certain think, extent. You know, well, I mean, it, it gets it gets your music out there, but as far as like, um, I mean, that's one thing I can't agree with Don Henley, who's kind of a jerk. God went before Congress and be like, oh, uh, we're not getting paid every time somebody <laughs> streams something on YouTube. You can't even teach an Eagles song on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, I ain't I, playing your shit anyway, dude. So move on. I mean, I understand his argument. Even Jonathan Kane of Journey has said, you know, songwriters these days are not getting paid what they 
should because you know the by the time you take the you know the you only get so much per song for from Apple they take thirty percent I don't know what Spotify's pay scale is but um it's just it gets less and less and less and that and for years I really thought well they make all their money from the touring and the merchandising they don't make it from the songs and depending on who is who wrote the songs and who publishes the songs that's generally who makes most money yeah writing Um, credit steve perry has written a number of songs for journey in fact most of their big hits um so he's got a legitimate argument but the problem is neil sean also co-wrote some a lot of those songs so and then some of them, all three, you know, Jonathan Cain, Neil Sean, and Steve Perry wrote. Um, so you could you could kind of see both, but I don't understand why now. Like he hasn't, Steve Perry hasn't been involved in Journey in years. He wasn't involved in the Rock and well, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, he showed up, but he didn't provoke. He didn't perform with them or anything like that um hasn't been heard from for a number of years he just now released a new album probably about two years ago now um yeah mine so i can see both sides of it but at the same time it's kind of like really now (laughs) um Of course, they're all getting up there in age, and we can all tell who's had plastic surgery. <laughs> Neil, the entire band. <laughs> Crazy, dude. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think Neil Sean just needs to hang Journey up at this point, and, uh, do something else. <laughs> he does do his solo work. You just don't hear about it as much because it's not as popular. Well, well, yeah, he's riding on the Journey coattails, and I think that's cool. I love Journey, but you know, Pink Floyd lost half of its members. They decided, okay, no more Pink Floyd. I mean, you know what I mean? You know, when Rick passed away, and then, um, um, well. Yeah. Um, when Rick, yeah, when Rick passed away, so they lose one member and they retire. They're like, okay, we're out, <laughs> you know. And then I started learning more about David Gilmore's songwriting, and I lose a little bit of respect for him, but not not a whole lot because I lose a lot of respect for him when he sold his guitar collection. Kind of felt like he joined a cult. Man. It's kind of like so. Eric Clapton sold his guitar collection for some something that um you can see the effects of. Okay, you know his Crossroads um, rehabilitation. You can see the progress that that money goes to. You're you're helping people with their sobriety. You know, uh, David Gilmore sold his guitar collection, raised $21 million, 
and gave it to uh, gave it away in the name of climate change. Um, now I'm not a I'm not what you call an educated man, but you hand me twenty million dollars, that that's not gonna solve climate change. That's not even gonna put a dent in it. None of this, none of this stuff that we're being, this is being shoved down our throats now is going to solve climate change. In fact, it's going to probably make it worse. Probably. And there's a good documentary that I I recommended. I watched half of it. I need to finish watching it. Um, you know, planet, planet of humans or something like that. I forget the exact name, but, um, it talks about the hypocrisy of the green energy movement. And there is a huge hypocrisy there. Um, and I'm like, don't rob Peter to pay Paul. If you know, if you really want to, if you really think humans are affecting the planet, which that's an arrogant stance, you know, just like humans to be that arrogant to think that somehow we are more powerful than Mother Nature. Nature wins every time. So. I mean, yeah, humans are. I get that. You know, humans are wasteful. I can see that. But you're not going to win against nature. No. <laughs> so the fact that we somehow think we have an impact on the entire earth. Yeah, we make buildings and stuff and we affect the environment. But let that shit, let a road go unused for a year and come back to it. That road <laughs> be all grown up. Nature takes over, man. Um, There's a reason we have to maintain this shit. Because we're f- constantly fighting nature. Yeah, nature I mean, look at what look at what California's doing. I can't believe it's it's so freaking simple to prevent all these damn wildfires that they complain about every single stinking year. Land management, <laughs> controlled burns. You, you know they don't do the controlled burns anymore because uh, fire nature. Well, guess what? More fires now than you ever had because you don't do the controlled burns anymore. You don't do, you know, you don't do land management. You don't go in there, you know, you don't go in there and clear out all the dead underbrush because of uh, habitat. Um, so, I don't know, dude. <laughs> and, 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 you know, they wonder why. And, and it's only in, in California in particular. That's what I don't, that's, I mean, like, that's, that's one state I would love to visit there, but I would never live there. I love the California people. Most California people outside the cities and what, even in the cities, most of the people are, are normal. It's their policies that, that make no sense, man. I don't know how they're sold that bill of goods to get this stuff passed, man. <laughs> it's like, dude, really? Dude. Dude. Well, I, 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 um, <laughs> it's funny because I have access to, some of the news feeds in that in that market, and every time I every, every time I stop on those channels, I'm like, "What? Yeah, huh? Yeah, uh, you can't. You there's there's no there are no answers. <laughs> there, there I mean, no. but but our biggest our biggest you know number one person that needs to have his head examined. Him taken out in the middle of the woods and shown what a tree actually looks like. He needs to commune. 
he, he needs to be taught, you know, nature needs to get a hold of his ass and just beat him to a pulp. <laughs> and that I, is, our, you know, is, is Al Gore. This fool. This fool. This fool. <laughs> everybody know. I mean, like, he, how can what, you not what? look at this man and say he's full of shit? Because he is. He's completely full of shit. <laughs> yeah, well, he is full of shit. And this used to be our vice president, people. This is someone who said, who claimed to invented the, to, who, to have invented the internet. <laughs> one one thing I will give Al Gore, and I didn't vote for him, but one thing I, I will give credit where credit is due, uh, he won the 2000 election. <laughs> I don't know how, but he did. And uh, that's uh, interesting to me. I wonder, I never did look. What was his, what was his platform? I never. What do you think his platform Well, I know, was? I know, but like, I never <laughs> went back and looked. At, I never went back and looked to see what would our, what would our country have been like under, pre, uh, under Gore? Like. Uh. uh. Dude, his platform. I mean, come on, man. I mean, yeah, environmental, climate change, uh, you know, regulate the hell out of shit. Yeah, basically. So, yeah, I just, I don't understand, like, okay, we need to buy solar panels and, and, and wind turbines. Well, where are we going to get the solar panels? Uh, China. Where are we going to get the wind turbines? Uh, China. Well, uh, what happens if uh, the wind the windmill stops working? Uh, uh, uh China. Gas. <laughs> but gas is evil. Well, the turbine won't work unless we put gas in it. <laughs> yeah. folks uh, a trip and dude. I mean and then they expect our armed forces to adhere to this crap. Can you imagine a electric powered Humvee or tank? Hey, it'd be stealth. Wouldn't it get bitch coming, man? <laughs> yeah, you'd, have to, you'd have to put a chip in it just to just so you hear your engine noise. <laughs> but hey man, listen to this. Zing zing zing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's that's powerful, man. Where'd you get that at? Oh, well. I mean, and then what? We're going to start shooting uh, Nerf nerf projectiles at our enemies or something? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> That's what it is, man. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, can, you, can you imagine, like, ouch, am I dead? Ouch. Am I dead? Ouch. <laughs> this dude, this dude talking now, listen to that. Oh, shit. Oh, man. So, uh, yes, sir. update on my little computer project. Okay, yeah, how's that going, homie? <laughs> um... Computers, that computer is not going to be able to do what I thought it was going to be able to do. 
Oh. Um, I mean, it works fine, but my original intent for this was to have a small server that could serve as a media hub and, you know, files for the house and sort of use some of our kind of improve the show a little bit where we could you know, do clips and do sound files and do if we wanted to. I don't want to like just dump all this stuff into the show at one time and be you know but uh uh the basically I'm going to need a NAS for a bit or a server <laughs> to make it work. Oh uh, um, okay. So <laughs> Um, and that costs money. Hard drives are very, very expensive. Um, well, yeah. I mean, they come, they all come, I can't understand why we can't manufacture any of our own drives. They all have to come from China, uh, from Taiwan. Well, you know it. So. You know it, big and dog. There's never, and there's never going to be any chip manufacturers in the United States. I'm. I don't care what people think that, that that bill that they passed or what signed or whatever, it ain't happening here. Please. Well, they they're they're actually trying to convince us of that. Yes, they're trying to convince that they that convince us that they're going to manufacture that they're going to build uh, chip fabs in the United States. <laughs> First of all, you know how many years that's going to take now. <laughs> Not in our lifetime. No. Like, Intel is not moving here anytime soon. AMD's no. not moving here anytime soon. No. They've already got infrastructure set up over there. They've, they've got, I mean, basically you're asking these companies to start all over again. I mean, Clinton moved the shit over there in the 90s thanks to NAFTA. So. And we as the American people will not see the benefit of this shit. Of course not. <laughs> I mean, I am utterly shocked at the amount of people that just go about about their merry lives and don't question anything. Don't like wonder why everything we everything we have is basically made manufactured in China. Everything. Of course, of course it is. And you can't avoid you can't avoid buying it because. You need stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, I hope you didn't just wake up to this. I mean, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just sort of pointing that for those of you that have been asleep for the last, yeah. I don't know. Well, there's a few of them. They've been sleeping for quite a while, but folks are waking up now. I mean, I think there's one manufacturer of televisions that the television's manufactured in the U.S. I think it's made in Detroit, if I'm but not you, mistaken. But you, but you can't even find the damn things. And if you do, they yeah. cost a lot. Well, that's why things left America in the first place, is because manufacturing costs. You know. But, you know, I don't, I don't think that... It, I, I mean, Mercedes builds their cars here, so... And they pay very well. They're not hurting selling their cars, so. No, I mean, there's a lot of car manufacturers here, but, I mean, there's not a lot of, 
like there's a lot of plants that have relocated. There's several plants in Mississippi, as a matter of fact. There's a Nissan plant here. Um, and a Hyundai plant. Uh, I thought it was Honda up in Tupelo. Oh, Honda, yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't want know whoever come up. Well, I'm gonna call my company Honda. I'm gonna call my my Hyundai. Really? Um, the the Honda is named after the guy that it's his last name. The guy that founded the company. I forget. I watched a documentary about Honda and Sony. Sony is the dude's name. It's his last name. Yeah, I was very disappointed when I found out that one of my favorite um, audio-visual um, receiver companies got bought out. Um, it does happen. And, it, yeah, full same thing happened with Pioneer and a bunch of other companies. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, Pioneer still makes good stuff, but it just skyrocketed. You gotta get like the good sh- the premium stuff to get the really good quality stuff, depending on what you're looking for. Yeah, mine. And, and I didn't start noticing this until I started. I wanted to build a stereo system, as you know. And yeah, mine. I was kind of curious, you know. Okay, what kind of receiver? I went. I looked at Onkyo. I looked at, uh, of course, Pioneer. I remember very, very fondly having a Pioneer stereo system as a kid. Um, That's which, back when it meant so. And, uh, yeah, it, it just, uh, I, I long for some pieces of my childhood that I no longer have. Um, and, and we will see what happens as far as me putting something like that together, but so far it takes money to do this stuff and I don't have it, so. Um, Cause I, I've decided that I want to be like, I'm gonna have my TV, I'm gonna have my audio and it's all gonna be kind of connected to each other. Um, you and I have had extensive conversations over the years about technology and I have somewhat changed my thinking about this over the years. I used to be big into computers and, and somewhat still am because I believe that if you don't know about what's happening to you because everything is computerized, then you can't combat it. You can't do anything about it. Um, and a lot of people, I think, have just given up in terms of. Uh, it's too much work, man. Everyone's just been like, if I've got other hobbies like music, well, I don't want to spend a given amount of time pursuing technology when it's not interesting to me. I mean, I want to pursue music. That's where my passion is, me personally. And there's, you know, computers aren't everybody's life. They shouldn't be. I mean, you know, if that's your hobby, that's cool. That's what you're into. That's cool. But I don't feel like there needs to be a prerequisite. You have to be into technology. You have to know, you have to know binary by heart. You have to know how to program these things because 
Well, that was that was thank you, Biden. That was his little contribute. Everybody, can, we're going to retrain you to be a programmer. Everybody is not predisposed to be a programmer, you dumbass. <laughs> I mean, he just thinks you just pick it up off the, off of a cereal box. Well, he doesn't think anything. No, he just, he just reads. They they put they put you know sometimes they get the tape mixed up and he stutters. He should he should be he What sir? What did he say? He was on. My mom was watching something. He was on earlier, and I walked by, and I'm like, I I don't even understand what he's trying to say. I mean, never mind disagree with him. I don't. I don't even know what to disagree with. I don't know what he's saying. He, uh, he sounds like he's speaking some other language. Dude is tripping, man. The dude is being abused. Well, if he wasn't so corrupt, I would agree with that. But oh, he he is corrupt, but he is being abused. Yeah, there, he's he's got people. Taking full advantage of his situation. Oh yeah. And if and if and if and if if anybody doesn't believe that, then I don't know what to tell them. I mean, I would like to see a biography on him. But just why? To, just because I want to know where he came from. What he's—I know his family's been—he—he's never had a real job in his entire life. He's always just no. been a politician. So yeah. Where does he get all his? I mean, is he like the greatest used car salesman or something? Yeah, he's—he's he's ran a scam. He's run a scam ever since he's been in office, man. I mean. Well, I 10, agree. Ten percent to the big guy, you know. Uh, he it's it's he's running game on the, on the American government, man. Yeah, his and that's what is. got me put in Facebook jail the last time because you know if you go into politics, politicians wind up being politicians because they're not good at anything else. So they go into politics. It's a it's a last ditch effort for them. It's like, well, I can go into politics. Because you don't have to be skilled at anything but bullshit. Well, bullshit is the only thing you have to be skilled with. And most of these guys are lawyers. That's what I always try to try to figure out. Why is it when people go into politics, oh, they, they start out being a lawyer. They went to law school. Okay. Some type of lawyer of some way. And then eventually they transition into one thing and transition into another. And then they, you know. Because, because I understand how the country runs. You need to know how the laws work. Because um, we are a country of laws. And that part I get. Um, but he's never even practiced law. So what about that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. like most lawyers have a period of time where you know they they come out of law school and then they practice law for a little while and then 
you know, then they work their way into politics. You know, it's like, well, I think I can do, you know, honest politicians feel like they can do better serving the people, you know, than, and then, you know, your dishonest ones were like, hey, you know, I can run game with this, you know. Mm -hmm. Why am I defending criminals for when I can just go into criminal enterprise for myself, you know? Once you once you understand how the schemes work and everything, right? I guess I don't know. I'm not a politician, so yeah, I'm not either. I just try. I'm just trying to understand. I'm I there the that's what I don't understand that that aspect of it. Um. You know, I I think it's very important that um, thing things need to change. Um, there's too many laws on the books. Speaking of it, and um, well, I've always wondered. People have said that for years, but I don't know if it actually ever will. Not truly. I think for every law we pass, one should be taken away. I agree. Um, I don't care which one, just. Pick one, <laughs> and that way we maintain a certain level of balance. That way, because I think we're overregulated. It is it's one thing Trump did, and people don't see it, and I understand that. And people don't like Trump, and I can understand that. But one thing he did was he undid a lot of these tangled laws. He combined laws that needed combined. He undid laws that didn't make any sense anymore. And it was amazing how smooth this country started to run. You know, it's absolutely amazing to me how that worked. It's basically like we talked about Reaganomics uh, last episode about how, you know, Trump basically proved that Reaganomics worked. Well, he also proved that less law, less regulation works too. And, you know, the fucking... Democrats always talking about, we need to pass laws. We need to pass more laws. Legislation, legislation. Why? Because it makes them feel good about themselves. If, you've why, ever, if, why, if you why? ever watch, if you ever watch C-SPAN for any given length of time, it is the most boringest stuff I've never, like they will point, literally point a camera on the Senate floor. And it's basically like, the gentleman from Michigan says, "I." Ah, the general, the ge- gentleman, the 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 general lady from Iowa says, "Nay." I mean, and how how anything really gets done? I mean, it's our our legislative process, but it really, I've watched it enough to go. No wonder it, nothing ever gets done. Like, because you spend all day, you know. Doing this crap, and then there's not half the time there's not even a debate on some of these laws. Um, it just gets passed. The American people don't know half of the things that are on the books. This is true. So, (laughs) yeah, I don't know, dude. I think we, I think we have a. A lot of untangling to do. Whoever gets in there in 24. Ain't going to be Biden. I know that. Well, no. He's already... Well, I heard something. He said, well, I'm going to run again. No, dude. You're... You're (laughs) You're done, dude. (laughs) I don't care what he says, man. He's not... There's no way. Nobody wants to run him again. 
Like, never mind. We'll go find somebody else. Kamala. 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 Actually, not even her. Well, that's their best bet right now. They they stepped on every other decent candidate on the Democrat side. Um, like Tulsi Gabbard, would she would have ran up against Trump. And I think Trump would have lost legitimately against her. Um, you know, they, they stomped all over her for some reason. I don't understand why. I mean, there's some aspects that I don't agree with, but... If I was if I was a Democrat, I would hold her up on a pedestal, dude. I mean, she she's marks all their boxes. She's a minority. She's a woman. She served her country. I mean, she's from Hawaii of all places. I mean, come on, dude. That's the thing. They don't look at what these people. They do. They do that. Well, they look at the boxes that need to get. Yeah, but they don't. They don't look at what they're qualified to actually do. They they look okay. Are you Democrat or you're Republican? That's all they look at. Because it's all about party, party, party. Even the Republicans, that's what they look at. It's all about party, party, party. Protect the party at all costs. I think the Republicans now are... um, I think Trump changed the Republican Party. As far as the the voting public goes. to To a certain extent, I agree with you, but for like... For most of these people, it's like they they'll talk about the issues... That nobody gives a shit about when they're trying to get elected. Yeah, just, man. To get, just to get elected, and then when they get in there, it's like, well, say, hey, man. <laughs> say, hey, man. I mean, Trump may be the only one as far as the president goes, because our congressman. <laughs> I mean, congressmen and senators, man. You, t- you talk about some very corrupt, corruptible people. And it doesn't take much. Nah, it don't take much at all, man. Blink at them the right way, and they're if, out. I mean, if they can't, um, if they can't find dirt on you, they'll invent it. Because it's not hard. All you got to do is feed the media, and they'll they'll swallow it. Who the line singer? They won't. They won't fact check anything. <laughs> well, that's true too. I mean, I was I was actually encouraged the other day. They were talking about CNN and um, whoever the new owner of CNN is. Like, I'm going in there and I'm gonna clean house. He good is. luck, good, good, good on you, man. I hope it, you know. Well, you know, Don Lemon got moved mornings, so his career is basically over. <laughs> whoever paid attention to Don Lamont anyway, oh, I always yeah. thought I always thought he was full of shit. Well, he is full of shit, but he was on primetime television. So there's that. Um, I don't know, dude. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, CNN lost a ton of credibility when you got a dude standing in Ukraine and there's body bags behind you. Body bag dude, crawl is hot here. We done. Get back in there, dude. Get back in there. Dude's still going on like, yes, these bodies and blah, blah, blah. It's like, damn, man. Dude be tripping. Oh, yeah. I can't, I, I can't get that image out of my head for nothing. Like, really, people? 
Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we're probably the only people who know this. Well, I mean, I guess people thought it was a joke or something, but, but um, I haven't found evidence to the contrary, so I'm going on with legit. <laughs> yeah. You'd be tripping. Yeah. So, um, what else yeah. can we talk about tonight? We're almost uh, half an hour away from two hours, so. You Damn, that went by quick, man. We talking about whatever, man. Um, you, you, you want to talk? Uh, no, nah, man. Um, talk about that. We talk about finance enough on this show. <laughs> I was going to ask you personally, since but we're on the air. But I was just going to ask you uh, about the workshop that I was planning on doing. Um, I'm actually very interested in that. I don't know if anybody else is. Um. You're wanting to do this on Google Space, you say? I thought about it, but I, I don't know. I might just do it on Facebook, do a live, you know, just do a screen share on Facebook, and then mm-hmm. whoever wants to join in, do it, because they're not going to jump off of Facebook to go somewhere else to do it. Google Space is proof of that. Um, absolute yeah. dismal failure. Yeah, I... I'm- it, you and I were in, in there the other day, and it, it felt like an echo chamber, to be honest with you. It's like, hello, hello, hello. Is anybody, anybody here, here, here? <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, like I said, I don't, I don't, um, the way my situation, the way I have my stuff set up, I don't know how it would benefit me, but I'm very interested to learn. Um, and I hope other people, you know, um, would join in. I mean, we haven't done a Facebook Live thing, and we started this show out doing Facebook Live. Sometimes I miss that. Sometimes. Yeah, man. Um, but, but like I said, I'm, I'm game. Um, do you, what are the, what's your Facebook, uh, so that people can, if they do want to, oh, I don't know. Um, I'm not, I mean, I'm not friending new people or be on my personal page, but if we wanted to make this a public thing, um, I don't know how I would do that. Um. It'd have to be a Google space or something, I would think. I don't know. Um, I gave myself a couple weeks to kind of figure it out, so. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll just go from there, I guess. Okay. That works for me, because every, you know, knowledge is, is, I try to learn as much as possible, but even though sometimes it doesn't seem like I do, um. There's certain things that I try to do every single day. Listen to music, learn, even if it's not anything but for five minutes. Um, you know, just look up something you're curious about or just to know. Um, sometimes it leads you down a rabbit hole and it, it leads to bigger things and sometimes it don't. It just depends on what, uh, what the topic of conversation is, but... I think a lot of people have, you know, they, they learned a certain amount and they did, then they just stop, you know, 
Um, so, and you're never too old to learn something new. That's yeah. right, dude. That's, that's very well said. And I couldn't agree more. And the fact that I I have that philosophy has been very interesting because um, uh, people don't people don't really treat smart people very well. I've noticed. Well, I don't know where that comes from. You know, I, I noticed it in school. Person, I think. Well, generally speaking, and I and I am being very general. Um, generally speaking, folks, uh, I don't know. They, I just feel like they resent smart people because I was, I was a smart kid in school. I wasn't a straight A student, but people knew that I was smart. I mean, because you know, I I'd always have it. Like when I was in sociology class, I slept through that class except for when we had class debates or class discussions. And I was very participant in those class discussions. And I remember this girl, she's from New Hampshire originally. And she just hated me. <laughs> I think her, her name was Ann or something, but I don't remember. But man, she just looked at me like I was this... Like, I was a homeless person or something, man. I don't know. Man, she probably voted for Biden. But anyway, um, she finally asked me one day after class. She came up to me, and she goes, she goes, can I ask you a question? I was like, I stopped having my book bag over my shoulder. And I, I was like, yeah, I, don't know. I didn't have anything against her. I thought it was funny that she just despised me. And she's like, she goes, how are you cheating? And I was like, pardon me, cheating how? She goes, well, she goes, you make straight A's on your exams and your tests. And you know the material because you participate in class discussions. But you sleep all the time. You don't do anything in this class. And she goes, I'm working, you know, every night I'm studying and I'm doing this, and I'm trying to read the book, and I'm struggling to make B's in this class. And, you know, you don't do anything, and you're making C's. And I just, I just want to know how you're cheating. I know you're cheating. I just want to know how you're doing it. And I looked at her, and I said, well, I said, first of all, if I were to cheat, that meant that I cared, first of all. And second of all, that's too much work to cheat. Said so you. I said you nailed it on. You nailed it on the head right there when you said that I. I do absolutely nothing in this class. Um, I don't put effort in any of my classes. I do the bare minimal. And she looked at me. And she's like, "Well, you're gonna pass." I said, "Yeah, I am." She goes, "Well, how do you know the material?" And I said, "Look, classes. As far as the class discussion goes, this is sociology, right?" Study of people and their behavior. All you got to do is look around you. Every day is a sociology class. You just have to pay attention. And I said, that's all I do. I said, I, I take my life experience and I throw it out there in the class discussion and I participate because it's a sociology and life 
is sociology. I mean, it's pretty much we're forced into it, you know. And she kind of looked at me, and she had her backpack on, and she's gripping her. She's got the straps, uh, her thumbs under the straps, and she's just looking at me. It's disgusting. It's like, ah. But she's so curious. She, she has to talk to me about it. And I said, as far as the sea goes, I said, it's a law of averages. I said, I breeze through the test because I've read the book already. I read the book the first six weeks. So I said, I've even read ahead of Miss Heights. I said, I've even read all the way to the end of the book, past where Miss Heights will teach the class this semester. So all I have to do is recall that information on the test and boom. Um, that was my studying. I read the book. She goes, I read the book every night, two hours, um, struggling over this material studying. And I said, you're, you're working too hard. I said, if you just read the book and just, just, you know, the material, once you read it, you know, it. it's in there. And I said, uh, I said, I hate you're struggling, but you're really wasting a lot of your time. And she goes, I'm not wasting my time. I'm going to be somebody. I'm going to be more important than you and blah, 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 blah. I said, okay, that might be true as far as the job goes. But I said, this class, I said, we're not going to ever see each other when we graduate. You're spending all this energy trying to figure me out and how I'm getting through this class. And I guarantee you, when we walk through, when we walk off that stage and we graduate, you ain't never going to give me another thought. I'm never going to give you another thought. And here you are losing sleep over how I'm making C's. And you're making B's. You're working for B's. And I'm not working for C's. What difference does it make? She was just so burnt. I, could, I couldn't reach this woman, man. A girl at the time. I'm kind of curious to see where she's at now. But all that bragging she was going to do about how she's going to be more than successful than me. Yeah, probably I'm unemployed right now. So any jobs more successful than me, congratulations. You win. What's your prize lady? Uh, you know, it's like people care so much about the things that don't, don't matter. I mean, you know, she was so fixated on how I was getting around that class that she didn't focus on her own, she was making bees. She was doing okay. I mean, so she had to work for it. Okay. She's working for it. That's what she does. Why is she so concerned about me? I will never know, man. But it's just, I could tell throughout the whole year as it progressed, she was just eating at her, man. And she'd always try to um, get in, like in the class discussions and stuff, she'd always try to get in her opinions or her answers before I would, you know, she just had to just shut me out. She didn't want me participating at all in class because I didn't earn it. I didn't earn that. You know, I didn't earn the fun parts of class because I slept most of the time, you know. And Miss Heist was cool with me. I mean, you know, she she was my teacher and um, she she knew what was up with me. She knew how to reach me and how not to reach me and she, you know, she's like, you know, her attitude was, well, he's passing the class. I can only make him do so much. If he's failing, you know, maybe there's another thing I can do, but he's passing the class. So, I mean, you know, 
He's not bothering anybody when he's sleeping. It's his business. So, well, if I was uh, when I was a kid and I was in school, I mean, if I if it was something I was genuinely interested in, it made a big difference. Like kids, like by the time I was getting getting out of school, yeah, my, nothing nothing was interesting to me. It was boring. It still is, man. I mean, every you know, um. <laughs> I mean, I had one or two classes that I was like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. But there was a lot of the, there's a lot of stuff that I'm just, well, you have to know this for your, for your life. Why? Why? <laughs> how, how am I going to use this in my everyday life? <laughs> uh, you ain't. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it galls me to no end. They, they make our kids, they basically put our kids through a factory every year. You gotta pass the standard test because we got we gotta be better than some kid in I don't know, China, Indonesia, India. Take your pick. Well see um, that was that was my problem. I felt like I was part of a factory. I mean and um I really had issues with that. Yeah. I mean I felt that way, especially when as I got further into high school. Yeah. Cause, cause it was, cause I'm a person. If I don't use something every day and there's a lot of shit in school that I learned in school that I don't use every day. Uh, um, if I don't use, if I don't use that in some capacity, it, it goes out of my head cause it's, it's useless information for me. Right. Right. You know, it's not, <laughs> And I have to constantly, you know, kind of retrain my brain to um, you know, take advantage of some stuff. Uh, I don't think kids are getting that nowadays. They're just sort of, oh, look at the screen. Do this. Do oh, this. yeah. You yeah. you would be amazed. They don't have whiteboards anymore. They have screens, projection screens. It's It's amazing. Teacher just... She sits at her desk mm-hmm. and she projects the shit onto the screen. She doesn't have to get up to write anything. It's just automated mostly. And does she talk to the class? Do they talk to the class? I guess. Just depends on the teacher, though. I mean, you know. I mean, we got into this. I remember when I was in college, you know, you talk. I mean, I went to a trade school, obviously, but you, the teacher still stood up, stood up there and talked to you to a certain extent. Yeah, man. You know, that's um, college. That's college too. College is a little bit different. But yeah, even like depending on class, like my literature class, which is one of my favorite classes, they you know teacher stand up there. You had to do stuff, but you you know, like the only thing, the only trouble I ever had was I could not get through Withering Heights to save my life. I've Wither- tried. Withering Heights. Yes. The Jane book. Austen. Jane Austen, yes. Uh, you don't like that book? <laughs> it was a class. It was a class assignment. No, what I couldn't get past was the the English that she uses, her writing style. Because Jane Austen is an English woman. Well, yes, but I mean, I get that. But just the way that it was, like, Shakespeare made more sense to me. Shakespeare made no sense to me. Still I mean, don't. Like, and it depended on the play, I'll, I'll grant you. Like, but 
Withering Heights just it was like, I, I, how, how well do I love Mr. Derby, Mr. Whoever, whatever a character's name, I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, I even read the cliff notes on the thing, just trying to understand it, you know. And, Dude, and, trying, I, man. and, and I just, <laughs> um, basically I got an F on the report because it was just like, I don't, I got about halfway through the book and I'm going, I don't get this. I don't understand. I don't. I'm not going to, so quit trying to make me. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, English literature is fascinating to me, but I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the Shakespeare dude. Oh, um, like we, um, we, of course, everybody does Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, they do. Did that one. And then we did, uh. And then we did Macbeth. I think Macbeth was more fun because. And why did you like Macbeth, man? Because they made they, we got to watch the uh, the movie from the seventies. Oh, okay. That uh, I think you actually directed it. <laughs> I think. He, um, he, who? What? Hugh Hefner. Oh, okay. I didn't know that, but I figured y'all would watch the um. The Mel Gibson version of Macbeth. That would no, that would he did Hamlet. Oh, was that Hamlet? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and I've seen that too. Um, it's it's okay, but Hamlet is. Some people are seriously obsessed with death. <laughs> um, well, dude, it was back in a time where you know. Well, I mean, we still don't understand death, but human life back in the day um, wasn't wasn't valued at all no because you only most likely lived to your early 40s or 50s maybe not even that it's just you know if you were gay for example you you were just killed it's like die Mm -hmm. and it's like okay i may not agree with homosexuality but i'm not opposed to it either that's what somebody wants to do i'm not i don't think they should die over it I mean, you know, so, okay, that's your thing. Just, you know, leave it in the bedroom and we're good, man, you know. Um, It's just so weird how people treated life back then. It's like, oh, I want his job. Kill him. I mean, you know, it's like America changed all that. People don't realize what life was like for the average person before America. Um, life wasn't, you know, we, there's a reason they call America the great experiment, you know, because nobody governed people the way America does until America did it. And, um, I don't know. I I just, I just hate that people forgot about it or or don't even know it to begin with. There are people that, um, people that come to this country, whether it be illegal or legitimately, they know our laws better than we do. They understand how to take advantage of things, um, better than we do. 
I would agree to that to some certain extent because and, and I had spent the last couple of years I know trying to figure out like um, you know, what am I doing wrong? Like people that do absolutely nothing and have nothing get get better get treated better than than somebody who works their ass off. Well, that's not you, dude. That's um, that that's part of what needs to change. I mean, that's a uh, that's a societal thing that you know. Well, we're literally trying to. I mean, what's happening right now, in my opinion, with especially with our border crisis and everything, they're literally trying to sh- to uh, get rid of Americans. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, a part of it. Because uh, no wall, um, no borders, no wall, no USA at all. I mean, you know, you know what? What am I supposed to think about that? You know, what what conclusion do I draw when I hear a phrase like that? For example, you know, that, my, con- my country doesn't matter. I don't matter. Um, right. The philo- the philosophies that were they were built that it was built on don't matter. None of it matters because they're all because everything is evil and you know because somebody didn't get a fair shake you know well because it wasn't I'll, handed to them on a silver platter then everybody else has to suffer well <coughs> excuse me you're, you're excused man so yeah thank you dumbass Democrats. <laughs> that's all I'm saying, man. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I know you don't like blaming the Republicans for some, but they're responsible for some, some of this too. And that, well, here's the thing: when when you play that game, you're not solving any problem. Well, the Repub- thats what my mom does. Well, the Republicans are no better. How does that solve the problem? Well, that's the thing. Everybody wants the problem solved, but they don't want to do anything about it to actually solve the problem. Well, there we go. Because I'll be the first one to tell you, yeah, there are a lot of Republicans that are a problem. I was glad to see Liz Cheney go. It's like, move out. One of of the most hilarious exits I've ever seen in my life, by the way. I'm going to run for president, and I'm better than Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're not, and you're going to lose. Yeah, even the cameraman's like, she just said what she what I think she just said. <laughs> hey, hey, whatever she's smoking, man, put that shit in my bowl. <laughs> That's some good shit, man. She got that shit straight from Colombia, man. The cocaine, man. That cocaine fucked man, I fucked her all up, man. You know what I'm saying, man? Shit. <laughs> it's like uh call call Camel and see what edibles they're giving her now. Campbell's on some really good shit, man. I can't help but laugh every time. What was the last one she was on? She was talking to somebody, some group. And I'm like, oh, Campbell, you and your edibles. Or oh, you poor whatever woman. they're giving her. Oh, man, she's on some good shit, man. <laughs> Just laughing and talking nonsense. It's like, I know you want to be behind your Xbox right now, Camel. I know. You you want to be at home, playing your Xbox, eating your edibles, listening to Beyonce. I know. I know. But, hey, you're vice president now, Camel. We need you to be, like, legit. (laughs) But, nah, 
No, she she can't do it. She can't do it. And she can't help it. Poor thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't know anybody who ever took her seriously. I mean, she takes herself seriously. She takes herself seriously, yes, but you know it had to be like, okay, she checks a box, yes, but this this woman is. I'm sorry, I don't want to ever. I don't like demeaning people, but bricks are smarter than she is. <laughs> that's not demean. Hey, that's not demeaning nobody. That's a legit observation you you've got there, home. Huh? I mean, she goes in front of a in front of a bunch of school kids and starts talking about space and goes, uh, space. Uh-huh. There's a lot of it. That wasn't school kids, man. Oh, really? Okay, those I were thought... the those were the space uh, the space force cadets. <laughs> those are the people that are going to be on the space force. Um, branch of the military. <laughs> They're training future astronauts, if you will. Uh-huh. And she's and like, "What is time, really? What is space? What is space, man? I mean, I don't know. Here, you want some of this blunt? Uh, I mean, she she reminds me of that. What's that guy character's name in Days to Confused? The one that was always smoking weed. Yeah, they were all smoking weed. In but no, the one, the one that was like, um, gave that speech about George Washington. It's like, yeah, they, they used to grow fields that shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> he, he'd come uh, home from working all day and Martha'd give him a big old bowl. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know what. I don't know what happened. Uh, you know. I don't know. What, I mean, nothing about the left that I have a problem with. And it, like they, they believe in all this. Like you know, anything goes, right? Mm-hmm. When does it end? Where Where are the limits? Because you got to set limits somehow. Well, you don't. As long as you're not messing with what they think. If you start questioning what they think, then okay. Those are the limits. You can't do that. You can't question the way I think. You just have to accept it and go on. I accept it. I just don't agree with it, man. Well, no, I mean, that's the thing. They're they're trying to force everybody to think. They they basically don't want people to think. They don't want people to question anything. Because if you actually applied logic to something, then you would realize they don't make any sense. I mean, look at all this pronoun crap. None, none of that man. makes none of that makes any sense. Man, but. you 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 really going, man? <laughs> and 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 yeah, I'm 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 kind of like okay, I'll give you a pronoun. It that's it. That's a good you, pronoun. It. You, you can't you can't decide what what species you are. It. <laughs> what species? <laughs> Dude, right here. Like my my favorite my favorite is non-binary. What? Yeah, I'm assembler language. I'm not binary. God damn it. How do you say fuck you in assembler language? One one zero one one zero one. That's binary, dude. They're non-binary. They don't speak binary. Well, okay. Uh, okay. So so um, if if a computer gets too warm, it's cussing at you. If, if a television uh, flickers, it, it, it flipped you off. 
Look, look, man, I don't, I don't claim to understand it. So I can't answer these questions. I can't either. That's what. (laughs) So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't try to know. I mean, I don't. I mean, seriously. It's crazy. It it just it makes my brain hurt because it's just like they'll they'll spit this stuff out and you're like, what? Ow! Pain? Okay, that's consuming space. I don't need. <laughs> I don't. So are we going to talk about the queen or do we say nothing? Well, we actually talked about her a little bit last week, but uh, England, you have my deepest sympathies because you see him with the ink whales, man. Yeah, this dude. Good, I can't be bothered with these ink whales. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> We must, we must, we must devote ourselves to climate change. We must save the planet. Uh, whatever you say, King Dumbass. <laughs> yeah. The thing about it is, people loved. They loved his mother. She was like the greatest thing. She was okay. Thing, she was okay. I mean, greatest thing ever to, to the British people. I don't know what they think about Charles, because this dude. <laughs> Did you see what's her name? His wife. Yeah. Talking about somebody that just doesn't look happy at all, man. Well, she's never looked happy. I know. Never. Let somebody give her some X slacks. Like, Please. Like, oh, get, or an no. edible. Give her I'll tell you what, give her give her a brownie that's got X slacks and weed in it. Just give her a combo brownie. It'll it'll flush her out and she'll feel better and she'll be high and she'll be a completely new person. I mean she has to go I mean she has to go to bed with that dude. I mean well she don't have to, but No, she don't have to, but I mean, yeah. probably. <laughs> so get those pa- get those out of the way. They're in my way. Get this bra. This bra. <laughs> Somebody remove this bra for me, please. It's in my way. I don't understand how it is getting naked business. I don't I didn't understand it. Peasant, peasant, stroke my wiener. Get me hard, please. Okay, that was probably a little too far. I'm sorry. I forgot we were recording there. Oh, you think? Yeah, my... My apologies. <laughs> I got a little carried away, man. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, people. Sorry. Oh audience. my gosh. I just I got a hard time with this royal family, man. I I I don't get it. I'm an American. Americans fought to get away from all of that. What the Revolutionary War was. I said something to my parents about that, or my dad just about it the other day. He's like, Well, she, you know, she, you know, she, she did, she likes us. And I'm like, But okay, 
Good for her. Yeah, for real. It ain't got nothing to do with us, man. I mean, I mean, I love the British people. I love British culture, man. We'll we'll always be tied as Americans to England in some way, you know, culturally. Anyway. It's part of our history, and right, it's part of our history and, until know. people decide, oh, that was that that wasn't good. Uh, we, America never existed because I'm waiting on that one. But the thing about worshiping their monarchy, that's for them to do. That's not for us. We we broke away from England to get away from all that because we we didn't feel it was fair, and we became our own thing. And I'm kind of proud of that 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 thing that we became. Um, and like I said, I love the British people. I I want to visit England at some point. You know, maybe Scotland and Ireland can can be a part of that. But uh, like to hear a Scottish woman speak, man. I love. Oh, I've, I've told this I've told this story a couple of times, but I my favorite part about Disney World. Yeah, I like, I like going to the Epcot Center, and they have this place in there where you basically you, it's a big, you know, big area, and you go around, and there's all these shops, and it's different, uh, different countries. Oh yeah, I, I love walking into one of those shops and just standing in the middle of the shop and listening to the, um, to the uh, people that work there talk. Yeah, man. I just, I just love accent. It's just like, wow. I mean, I could have stayed forever, like the. I forget what the, the English shop. I was like, this is just cool. I used to know a guy when I, back in the um, when I was in high school. Um, he was one of Robin's friends. Yeah, he sounded right. like he sat. He was from Birmingham, Alabama, but he sounded like he was from Birmingham, England. <laughs> like literally, and I'm like, well, why did he have an accent? I don't know. I never could figure that. I mean, I remember asking him, and I'm like. Why do you not try to insult him or anything? But it's just like you don't sound like you're from here. He's probably trying to get rid of that whole southern accent thing. A lot of folks don't like having a southern accent because the rest of the world thinks that we're stupid because we have an accent. You know, yeah. First people... thing you do when you want to sound like you're dumb is you throw a southern accent in the mix. Yeah, and I don't. Well, and then when you go all. to go up north and, and you say, "Oh, that's an interesting accent." I don't have an accent. I don't have an accent. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. It ain't southern, but it's an accent. Yeah, you do. Every region in the country has a dialect. Uh, it's like a southern side. I don't. I don't have no accent. What are y'all talking about? I speak just like anybody else around here. I speak. I speak plain English. And actually, you know, the southern accent is closer to the English accent than the rest of the country. So, you know, um, the southern accent is more English than English, than American English. I mean, I say, by George. Hey, <laughs> <I> man. <laughs> oh, well, we, I can, I can rant, right? Yeah, I mean... We're, we're we're over two hours here, so um, dude is keeping time well, for us today, tonight. Today I'm just well. Uh, let's get our house cleaning out of the way. And, if uh, you like what we're doing, if you want to support us, 
Um, please drop by our Facebook Facebook page. Give us a like, comment. It's uh, facebook.com slash geek versus geek. Um, I had noticed the page is getting some attention lately. So somebody's paying attention. Um, thank you for that, whoever you are, because you can't really see who they are. They you just somebody likes your page. Okay. Um, we would like you to support this financially if you can, because we're like you said, we're doing this on a shoestring budget, two laptop or a desktop, a laptop, and two microphones. Um, and uh, it, it takes some pretty good skill to make it all sound like it does. Um, I mean, I, I would like to have a dedicated space to do all this in um, eventually. Uh, but until that happens, you know, we got what we got. And uh, I, I'd like it to make it a little more open for people to communicate with us and talk with us. Um, originally, I wanted people to be able to, to to start discussing stuff with us, but apparently that's not really people's thing. Um, they like listening to us talk, even though we don't have any music or uh, sound effects or anything like that. It's just turning on the computer, turning on the mics, hitting the record button, and just going. Um, if, if that's something you like to listen to. You know, give us a, a like and a subscribe on anything that you listen to, if, if, whether it's on Amazon or uh, Spotify or iTunes. And not a lot of people, you just use the default iTunes podcast app. That's how you get your to your thing. Drop by iTunes and give us a, a you know a star rating. You know, leave us a review. We don't have any reviews as far as I know. And we've been doing this for almost 30 episodes. So. If you like it, support it. You don't have to support it financially. You can give us tips. You can give suggest art, you know, things that we might want to talk about. Um, you want to help us build the community and the infrastructure like I wish we one day would have. We'll have get in touch with us, get in touch with a uh, bug or me, and uh, we'll get the ball rolling. Whatever you can, whatever you think it's worth time, talent, and treasure value for value, people. That's how it works. Yep, you got anything to add, dude? Now, other than I would like to reiterate that we are now on Amazon Music and Audible, in case you'd rather listen to us there. Um, there will be some promotion for that on our Facebook page. Um, so go check that out, uh, Geek versus Geek on Facebook. Um, and you'll see um, the Facebook page is basically our website at this point. Um, it's basically where you're going to see stuff to augment the show or, you know, important stuff that might be relevant to an upcoming or previous episode. Um, the episodes going forward are going to evolve 
be slightly more polished. I'm not going to do anything drastic, but I'm going to add little touches here and there as I feel comfortable uh, just to polish up the show. I'm already um, doing a lot of cleaning up um, with with the production, like, you know, if the recording's messy or if there's if there's long silences, those all get taken out. Um, uh, so the show's nice and concise. You don't hear us sitting there trying to pause, thinking of words or whatever. Um, so it's just it's better flow. Um, I'm trying to get volume levels um, consistent throughout <laughs> not only the whole episode, but from episode to episode, trying to standardize some production methods. So, um, one episode you don't have to turn your volume up, and then the next episode your your ears are blasted through your skull. Um, I'm trying to get get thing. I'm trying to get a standardized production method going, and there's going to be some little touches like a lot of the stuff you hear us promoting at the end of the show, like we are now. A lot of that's going to be pre-recorded and inserted, uh, so we don't have to keep talking about it. And um. If there's any special announcements or anything that Gio or I have that need to be in a show um, that we didn't talk about during the show, um, some of those will be inserted as well as, as needed. But um, you're gonna you're gonna see things get a little more polished from as as you've seen. I don't want to do anything too drastic. I kind of want to evolve the show production. Um, just kind of see what works and what doesn't work. But right now, everything's working really smooth. Hit us up on Geek vs. Geek on Facebook. We're on Audible and Amazon Music. Um, if you're a Prime member uh, or an Audible member, you get uh, you get podcasts there. Uh, we're already on Spotify and Apple Apple Podcasts and and Podbean and just keep looking. If you don't see us on a platform that you want us to be on, um, let me know um, specifically because I'm I'm kind of in charge of all the back end stuff as far as distribution and stuff goes. So just let me know or George and George will let me know, and I'll see what we need to do to get on that platform. But right now we're on like ten different platforms, and as I discover how to get on new platforms. Um, I, I had to show to those platforms as needed. Like it took a while to get on Amazon um, uh, just because it's a little more complicated, but it, it happened in Podbean. Um, I was invited to add the show to Podbean. One of you listeners out there saw the show there and said, Hey, you know, you hit the ad show, you know, to Podbean. So it was already there. I just took ownership of it, or we did, to claim it. And uh, somebody has sent me an email. I don't know who it was, but somebody out there listening to Podbean um, noticed that we weren't managing our show on Podbean and invited us to do so. So whoever did that, if you're listening, appreciate it. We're now... We're now managing our episodes on Podbean, so there's that. And uh, again, Amazon Music and Audible, which I'm already listening to books on Audible anyway. 
listening to my podcast there is not too far of a stretch. I'm just saying. No. Um, Especially I, when I, I'm on a bike ride or something. I actually like the podcast, the podcasting 2.0 apps, but they're a little, well, they're the, a little clunky. Yeah, though those are a work in progress. And if you are a, uh, if you are a believer or supporter of podcasting 2.0, and you want to help us migrate to that platform or that protocol, if you will, get in touch and help us do that. Um, we're we're struggling to figure out 1.0 at this point. 2.0 is like an alien came down and started throwing gang signs at us at this point because we don't know what we don't know what's what there. So we want to, but we're we're getting there. Mm-hmm. Facebook Geek versus Geek for everything. Uh, like I said, check us out on every platform. But we're newly added to to. Uh, Amazon Music and Audible. If if you're already a member on Audible, just just subscribe to us and start listening. It's that easy. You don't have to go to the website or or whatever. Just download it when it comes out, and it's usually every Thursday around noon. I try to keep it consistent. So. Yep, and I think that concludes our house cleaning, our housekeeping. And in that case, I think it concludes the entire episode, Gio. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's cool. All righty. We'll call it a day, and we'll see you all next time. I'm Bug. I'm Gio. And you're listening. You have listened to Geek vs. Geek. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.